Welcome to the podcast, Energy Medicine, where we are aligning your mind, body, and spirit with energy-based modalities. With your host, Dr. Mary Sanders, a medical intuitive and chiropractor. Let's join the podcast. Today's guest, Mo Regulinski, combines art, creative process, and spiritual investigation to understand and reinterpret well-being. By creating wearable art representing life with a chronic health condition, she creates a platform for open discussion about looking at big challenges and creating something beautiful. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Dr. Mary, and I invite you to visit my website at www.drmarysanders to download your free guide to boost your energy centers to experience more clarity, purpose, and vitality. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to today's show. With me today is Mo Regulinski. Mo has quite a diverse background. She has worked with the VCU Health Department of Endocrinology, the Virginia Commissions for the Arts, Bo Secor Mercy Health, the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts, the National Academy of Medicine, and the American Diabetes Association, offering programs that integrate art and well-being. She is an accomplished public speaker and offers classes, workshops, and presentations and exhibits. Her focus is guiding others to embrace self-empowered wellness through art, introspection, and connection. Mo is a family constellation facilitator and Rohan therapist. She also received her MFA from the University of Southern California, and she's an ordained reverend through the Delphi University. Her company is AHAA, Affirmative Health and Heart Arts Alliances. Mo, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. I'm super excited. So thank you. Well, thank you, Dr. Mary, for bringing me on the podcast. Oh, I know that we're going to have some juicy conversations. I know right now the listeners are probably, just in your introduction, they're probably like, okay, so family constellations, that sounds pretty intriguing. And I know energetically that you're going to share with us a little more as the episode progresses, but you'll talk about family dynamics and the healing energy that you can use in better understanding your own family dynamics just for the purposes of healing, for releasing old traumas and uh, emotional wounds that one may have accomplished in their family upbringing. So that's going to be an exciting conversation. And then Rohan, I understand, is kind of a past life regression type therapy where you get to work with ingrained cellular memories within the physical body, within the brain. So that's also going to be another really juicy conversation. So, but before we launch into the good stuff, I think it's really important for the listeners and the audience to get a better understanding of your essence, Mo. I know that you've had your own personal journey. Obviously, we wouldn't be where we are today if it weren't for your own personal healing journey. But I think yours will be unique and that you'll be able to shed light as to how you ended up aligning yourself with the alternative healing arts. So... The platform is yours. I would love to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Um, We'll start way, way long ago at the beginning. (laughs) Um, 
I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at age three. So I have lived with a chronic health condition my entire life. About the same time, um, I recall drawing, I think it was chocolate chip cookies on my wall in my bedroom at age three. So with crayons, of course, we all do that (laughs) done. So it seems the art and the need for healing came in early. I was brought up in a church that was highly mystical. Um, We had sacraments you would go through. And my father every year brought me to the sacrament of divine unction, which was the healing of the sick. And it was a church filled with artwork and filled with beauty. So even sitting in that building, I learned about healers and belief. And I was going to doctors every four months. So as this small, small child, I put together this idea of wellness, this idea of belief systems, and it has served me very well for a long time. I have, I was diagnosed in the 60s. So here we are in the next century. And I feel like my health, I have extremely good health. I studied art. I went to Ohio State University and studied art there. And then I got a full scholarship to the University of Southern California in theatrical design. And during my master's degree, I went blind in my left eye, which was due to, you know, if anybody's done a master's degree, you know, it's stressful. And I had to have three years of treatment with that. I'm happy to say that, well, the doctor said we can stop the progression of this diabetic retinopathy, but we cannot bring back your vision. So my first experience with belief systems supporting the allopathic medicine that I had to engage in was I would sit in meditation and the meditation included that biblical passage about you are the clay and I am the potter. And I would just picture beautiful hands smoothing out my retina and just sitting in there because being an artist, I knew what it felt like working with pottery. I had taken a class in that and I did experience pottery in high school. So touching wet clay, you leave your fingerprint in it. So I imagined that those hands were just smoothing my retinas, smoothing my retinas. And I have to say, I went in to this whole episode with vision at 2200 in my left eye. And I now hover around 2030, 2050 in that eye. So that's pretty good results for, for the allopathic medicine saying, We can stop it, but we can't correct it. That was young. I was a young mother. The last, I had a baby a month after the last laser treatment. Those lasted for three years. And, you know, bringing a family into the world makes it kind of straighten up too. So I started straightening up. I was still in really good health. And I, by the time I hit 40, I'm like, how do we put structure on this so I can share what I know with other people? Uh, So I started studying and researching and looking into alternative methods. I had gone to a healing sanctuary here in Richmond, Virginia, and the very first time I ever experienced healing, these healers put their hand on the area of my pancreas and they put their hand on the area that I was experiencing pain in my body. And I just started crying. I was like, how do they know this? And now... I know they know this because we tap into the energy field of the human body. And I love it because allopathic medicine does a great job with the mechanics 
and the chemistry of the body. So they're good at fixing bones and prescribing insulin and doing those kind of things. The psychological community is great if you want to spend time in words working things out. I have found in the alternative medicine field that we're all energetically connected. We are an electromagnetic field. And when you tap into that field, things happen quicker. Like, like we're allowed to tap into the story of what we believe. The story of what we believe is held in our body. And once we tap into the story, painful, disease, whatever it is, we can then release it and rewrite the story. And that's kind of what leads into the Rohan and family family constellation work and just the balancing of energy work and those kind of fields. We're not trying to, I'm not trying to say allopathic medicine go away. I know my entire life I've needed that. But I know there's something else. I learned that as a child with that belief of a child that this would help me. And I've just developed that in my adult life. Mm -hmm. The artwork went in tandem with that. Um, I I studied to be a painter and one of my paintings is behind me. Um, I love the way the body feels. So another part of energy medicine is literally the way your body feels. And what I've experienced when I paint, I'm in joy. Like these things bring joy, the feeling of joy. And that's a little different than happiness because I think joy resonates really deep and it's touching into your authentic self. This is what I love. And it's not about somebody else giving you what you love. It's about what you love in this life. When I paint, I'm in that space. When I'm in that space, when I'm in joy, and I'm, I'm hoping research can be done on this. I'm hoping to connect with people to research this. When I'm in joy, I have a monitor on, a constant glucose meter. When I'm in joy, my blood sugars are stable. I can eat things that normally I don't eat and or I have to take lots of insulin for them, more insulin than the calculations say. When I'm in joy, I can eat those kind of things and take the prescribed amount of medicine that, that my doctors tell me. When I'm in anxiety or stress, I eat those particular things, and I need probably triple the amount of insulin to take care of that carb load in my body. So joy is a huge balancer in the body system. And so I think we engage in this alternative work to help clients get to that place of joy or to understand what that is in the body and to rewrite the story that you've been telling yourself over and over and over again. And so that's kind of in a nutshell what I do <laughs> for myself and others. Wow, Mo. So there's so much wisdom on what you've already shared. I want to unpack it all. But before I want to express gratitude, you really shared your personal story from a help a heartfelt place, but also in a place for sharing your personal experience with the intention of possibly being able, your story will help some of the listeners that are listening to this episode. They're going to be able to relate on several different aspects. And some of the things that I want to unpack is that 
If you are an individual such as yourself, where you are wearing some kind of a biohacking device, such as a glucose monitoring system that tells you moment by moment what you're eating and how your body is responding, you can't help but to see intimately the connection of the emotional body on the physical body. So you went through that life experience of like, oh, wow, wow. So when I'm painting and when I'm I am energetically tapped into the frequency of joy and my electromagnetic field is circulating more efficiently around my body, then that means that biochemically, I might be able to process something that is uh, harmful for my system and be able to process it more efficiently. So that's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And I would I would probably not use the word harmful, but high impact. High impact. High That's impact. When I'm in a lower vibration, stress, whatever, deadline, whatever, those particular things that I know I have to be careful with have a higher impact on my mm-hmm. health than when I'm in joy. Yeah. And then taking you back to when you were wrapping up your master's, when you really were in full-blown, probably adrenal exhaustion due to the impact of your stress demands of completing your master's, and that's when the retinopathy began. So, you know, I think the stress is a beautiful... It's a beautiful way for our body to be able to communicate to us. But unfortunately, our society is kind of wired that we just ignore the stress symptoms that we get and we think that they're just normal. But in somebody in your situation, you can't ignore the fact that you're losing vision. That's something that you have to respond to immediately. So in some aspects, Mo, I think that you can be really grateful where you have the opportunity of expressing gratitude to your physical body for communicating as strongly as it does with you. Well, yes. And that's part of what I've been looking at and researching lately is our body is our first warning system. And we are trained to work through the pain, you know. Don't listen to that body, whereas the body gives us a headache. You know, it, we have a thought. If we stick on that thought, it will give us some symptom. If we don't address the symptom, the body keeps saying, you need to address whatever this pattern is, whatever this thought is, and you need to do it now. And until the point is you're having heart fibrillations, your eyesight is going If you're not addressing what you're supposed to be addressing, the body definitely gives you clues. Mm -hmm. And that's when, if you haven't addressed it right off the bat, and that's why energy medicine is so applicable to our health, is that it will help you to address it earlier rather than later. Because later you're going to the doctor, you're getting all kinds of drugs, they're covering a lot of the symptoms, and really maybe you've never addressed the underlying condition, the underlying thought, the underlying premise that is causing the irritation and agitation in your body. So true. So true. 
And then the other thing that I can't help, but it keeps coming back to me in my mental, in my mental looping. And that is after you had been diagnosed and you were working on doing your own self-healing with the retinopathy, you were using your strength, your ability to visualize, and you also incorporated kinesthetically the cellular memory of smoothing out clay. So you were essentially using the energy centers of your clairsentience, being able to energetically, again, um, set the intention for your own personal healing. That's amazing. And I'm hoping that the listeners are really feeling how empowering that is, that you have each and every single one of us have the capacity to heal ourselves. You know, yes, and... That is not fervent prayer, heal me, heal me, heal me, Ugh, in stress. That is literally, like I said, when I make art, I feel joy. And literally having that feeling of joy as you have those visual images, as you picture the hands and the eyes. And so it really is a very complete package of using your senses mm-hmm. to imagine what you want. And then expecting it to happen mm-hmm. in a very calm place. Like, like it took a little while. It took three years for the therapy, then probably another three years until I, my vision was back to 2030. And I just kept believing that and kept keeping my appointments, you know, mm-hmm. keeping my mm-hmm. appointments. So it is a really good example of being spiritual beings living a human existence because we have to tap into both spaces to get the best results. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking of a personal experience that I had. Um, At the time, I was living in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. And this was a period in my life where I, for the first time, had time. Um, And to make a long story short, my husband and I traveled to Vietnam with our Welsh corgi. Her name was Puka. And Puka, unfortunately, got ill when we were living in Vietnam and passed away. So I was grieving and I was also enrolled in an art class. And the art instructor was inviting all of us that were in the class. He wanted us to do a painting of something that had personal meaning to us. Instead of trying to replicate a great artist, he wanted something that was significant for us. And so at that time, I was grieving. So I selected a photo of my dog, of Puka. And the ability, my experience, Mo, and I'm not sure, I'm kind of at a loss of words, but I got lost in the painting of Puka, meaning that there was such an energetic connection that as I'm painting her hair or painting her eyes or her nose, it was such an expression of connection, connectivity, and that I was able to energetically merge And to allow the love that we exchanged to really permeate through my energy body to where I felt like it sped up the grieving process. And I felt complete. I felt complete with the the grief 
and complete with the painting. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and claim to be a, a wonderful artist such as yourself, but I am here to share that the essence of what your title of the today's podcast is to integrate art into your psycho-spiritual healing. I mean, that's what I feel like I personally experienced, and that's what you stand for. Mm-hmm. And Mo, on your website, listeners, I'll be sharing all of Mo's contact uh, information later, but Mo has a gallery in which she will share some of her artwork. Some of it is wearable art and some of it is is not. But the point of it is, is that when I look at some of the artwork, it forces me to stop and to have a reflection internally to kind of like, I want to dialogue about it because there's an emotional response that gets elicited. Not all of it is easy to look at. I mean, it's clear that Mo is embracing, you know, art and her therapy and her authentic self and expression. So, oh, wow, Mo, what can you share for those that are listening that really want to embark upon these journeys? Are there some steps that you might be able to recommend to people? Well, I think we're all on an individual path. And I think that's why you have, I call myself a healing facilitator at this point, because what I think I do really well is draw out that creativity in other people. Um, My journey with the artwork, again, I told you I was diagnosed at three. Weirdly, I would save insulin bottles. And I just found out that another artist that does diabetes artwork named Appleton did the same thing as a child, would save the insulin bottles because they're pretty little bottles. So when I was young, I was saving those. And I was waiting, you know, I was swimming for the cure. I was running for the cure. I was doing all those things that that you organize for, you know, around chronic illness. And by the time I reached, again, when I reached a place where my children were old enough that they were pretty self-sufficient, middle school, high school, I started getting really tired of the maintenance. Like it is, it is intensive, the maintenance you do with a chronic illness. So I was weirdly saving this stuff again. And my intention was I'm going to throw all this stuff on the bonfire of celebration when the cure is here and I'll just dump it all. And that'll be my release. Well, it never came. It never came. It never came. I was teaching a wearable art class at the museum because I was a costume designer and a painter and there wasn't anything invented called wearable art at that point. And I finally, in that moment, decided I should be making my own wearable art. They were making wearable art because there was no wall space to display their stuff. So they wore it. And in that, I made my first piece called Needles. And in Needles, I used a pneumatic pin nailer with the gauge of pin nail, which equaled the same gauge of needle my mother had to stick into this little three-year-old child. And it was enormous. It's 24 gauges. If you look at that in the, it's like an embroidery needle, a big embroidery needle. And I thought, oh my God, my poor mother. But when I used that pin nailer and I put maybe 36,000, over 36,000 of these needles into this piece, it was so cathartic. It was so cathartic. It was like pulling every one of those needles out of my body and creating. I didn't know at the time while I was creating it. I was just into the feeling of it and the action of it. Um, When I completed the piece, it was powerful. I looked at it going, holy moly, that's powerful. 
And I really felt compelled to make more. And so I have, I still have, I have those big store chests full of all the diabetes medical disposables I use. And I started creating regalia out of them. Now, first I called it body armor. Then a Native American person saw it and they said, you know, this is not armor. This is regalia. This is the story of your journey. And that was very important because when I exhibit it, I will have teenagers come up to me and say, you know, I have this and nobody understands this. But when I look at this, I know you understand and I'm not doing very well right now. And really all they needed was somebody to say that, somebody to know, to know somebody was out there dealing with the same thing. Another woman at another show came up to me and said, you know, is this all your stuff? And if you look at the pieces, there's thousands of pieces and debris in each one. She comes up to me and she says, you know, my sister has diabetes, type 1 diabetes, and she's always saying she can't do stuff. And if she's going through what all this stuff is, then I get her. Like, I get it. I can see that it's hard and it's difficult. So the work I do is beautiful, I think. It's powerful and it's narrative. So it tells the story, even to doctors, it tells the story like you can say, oh, take two shots a day or do whatever your thing is. But over time, that adds up. So I started creating the artwork when I was kind of burning out, not wanting to do this intensive care anymore. And by transforming my diabetes medical disposables into art materials jazzed me. I'm like, oh, I'm going to test my blood five, six times a day because you know what? (laughs) One inch of that trim is like $36. (laughs) It it became a thrill for me to put this together and to probably not 36, but maybe at least six or seven. Um, Each test was about a dollar. And I'd say, wow, this is narrating a lot, not just the impact on the body, but how much waste goes into medical disposables that we have to throw away into our environment, the cost of them, the capitalism. So it it was addressing so many different issues that I was, it was kind of a thrill then to take care of myself, to use these medical supplies I was using and to create visual narratives of the beauty that comes out of living with a chronic illness, because there are a lot of strengths that come out of that discipline and that practice. And we just sometimes stick in the drudgery. So I wanted to narrate the power it brings to individuals also, because usually, usually we go to the dark side with this stuff and there are positives. Like at this age, I'm in really good shape. I'm in really good shape compared to a lot of people my age. Because I've had to address my health and lifestyle since a very young age. And so I can be grateful for that. As I'm listening to you, Mo, I can't help but to like sit in your frequency and feel the healing journey, the impact of doing your art and how it's healing yourself. But what is really amazing to me is as an artist, how you are creating and displaying or wearable arts um, or having exhibits to where you're helping facilitate other people with this illness to be seen, Mm -hmm. perhaps being seen and felt for the first time. And for them, that is hugely transformative you know, impactful and healing for them as well. So I'm witnessing the spiral energy of what it is that you're creating and it's beautiful. 
again, like holding thoughts in our bodies and not expressing them, they metastasize. And really all we have to do is express them and they disperse. We don't have to hold all that in our body by just talking here. Oh, my health is doing great. Or, you know, it was difficult. And then by just having a little conversation with people that get it or are interested, it really disperses a lot of the stress and anxiety of what we're going through because we're here on the planet to work together. Mm -hmm. We're not here to be in total isolation. Mm -hmm. That's so true. That's so true. So um, I have a few more questions. I know I've got one eye on the clock because I just want to be sensitive to, to your time. But I guess as you make that statement that we're not here to experience, you know, our journey as a single entity, we're here to work collectively as a group. And so I guess that, you know, segues right into the whole theme of your family constellation work. And for the listeners, can you just share with us, you know, I kind of see, you know, this is going to be a whole episode within itself talking about your two, two different modalities that you use, but the healing benefits of family constellation, those that are willing to do the work with you as a facilitator, what can they expect to experience, release, heal? What can people expect? Well, there's two ways to do family constellations. There's group work which is awesome. And then there's individual work. So some people just don't want to express what they want to express in a group. So there's two different ways to go about this. The group work is super interesting because like I said, I facilitate it. We call in that energy field and you can call it what you want. You can call it the energetic, energetic connection between people. When we say we're all connected, we really are energetically. I mean, the old trope about, oh, did you get that vibe? And they had a great vibe or they had a bad vibe is true. We exude this all the time. So in family constellations, a person that comes in and gets their constellation done tells a little bit of their story, not a lot of their story, a little bit about their family, who's missing from their family, the background, maybe what they set the intention for that particular release that day. And I write down on a piece of paper just certain facts that came up, people, circumstances, emotions, addictions, whatever comes to me that should be on that paper, I write down. I then fold that paper, they put it on their heart, and they give it to somebody in the group to represent that which is on the paper. The person doesn't know what they're representing. They hold it to their heart. They put it in their pocket. They form each person, the person who's having the healing facilitated puts a representative for themselves in the middle of what we call the knowing field. And that's just stepping into the intention and the energy of the highest and best good to come out of this circumstance. So we go into that. I like to call it the Christ light because that's what I was raised in. And Jesus, the healer, was like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny to me. He was high on my list when I was a kid. <laughs> so I like to call it the Christ light. And they'll create a constellation. So we have that representative of the person having the healing done holding space. And then everybody will pick a place in the room that they want to go to. Then the actual person will 
replace the representative and the constellation starts moving. And I would ask questions like, well, how do you feel by that person? And do you three over here feel really comfortable together or does somebody want to move? And it's all based on your gut feeling. It's all based on your knowing. And so when the when people stop moving and I'm done asking questions and everybody's like, I'm great right here, we open up and reveal what was on the paper. Uh, And usually you can see the family alliances or the alliances within the office, or, you know, if it's addiction, you'll see how addiction is playing a role in this group or family. And so you get a big awareness of what's going on without a lot of discussion. It's just based on your feelings and your connection. The next part of it is the healing part, which you are looking at that story and you go to each character, if it's your constellation, and you say words of truth to them. For example, if it's your parent and your parent was a disaster, they were you, you had a very difficult childhood. The parent will just say something like, I am your mother and you are my child and nothing will ever change that. I did the best I could. And then the child might say something to the parent, like, I did a lot in that household to make it run because you were out of commission so much. And I'm handing all that back to you. So you have the opportunity to make these amends spiritually or energetically. And you have the opportunity to claim because you can't break the bond of family. We call it the family soul. They're going to be there forever. It's a connection you have because you came in on that connection. So what you do is you choose to write the story now. So you would choose, I just in a constellation I did a little while ago, difficult childhood. And so this person chose to honor the parent through creativity. And they said, you know, you were the most creative cook on the planet and you could lay out a table. And so from here forward, I will remember you through the creativity you brought into my life. And so that's all. The family soul is not asking you to accept bad behavior. It's not asking you to accept all the pain, forgive it and let it go. What it is asking you to do is acknowledge it, hand back what wasn't yours to begin with that was projected on you or that you brought in yourself. So sometimes as children, you're trying to be helpful or you're trying to remember somebody that nobody talks about. So you're feeling those energies. So that's other ways that addiction and joblessness and, you know, lack of prosperity can come in. Once it's addressed, you rewrite the story. You say, I will honor you through creativity, or I will honor you by getting work worthy of my skills, or I will ask, you know, for what I need. So you as the person having the consolation done, it's not there to trigger you. It's nothing ever comes up. I have never experienced a constellation where people are like, I'm triggered. I can't do this. It's always energetic. It's always through a positivity. And you get to rewrite the story and claim how you step forward. So it's very empowering for the person having it done. I feel that. I absolutely feel that. And I also feel that there are some listeners who are like, I need some of that. Mm -hmm. So um, I know that you offer both individual and group um, environments for people. What's the best way for listeners who are interested in doing this kind of work with you? What's the best way that they reach out to you? Well, on my website, I have a place that has contact. 
it has a contact thing. I also have a scheduler on it. So you can schedule a time that we could do this online or in person. I do quarterly retreats right now, which is which is set. I do quarterly retreats uh, at Serenity Farm in Maidens, Virginia, and that's a one-day retreat. I'm also available to, if you have six friends and you want to get together and do constellation work, then we can arrange to do that. So, you know, if you and your four or five best friends want to do that, uh, or strangers, like it could be a church and the church or group a business says, wow, there's some pretty interesting political dynamics going on in our office space. We can do it to just see what the underlying energy is of that circumstance. So I do have um, a website. The website for the healing work is aha.love, A-H-A-A dot love. That's a new tag at the end. So I was able to get aha, which stands for Affirmative Health and Arts Alliances. Often in the work, there's journaling, so there's writing involved. Sometimes we do artwork. Sometimes those are different than the family constellations. Um, that's a, that would be a different retreat or involved in the retreat along with family constellations at the end of the day. So, you know, I'm flexible in presenting this. But the, the important part is it, somewhere it says biblically, I think, that the sins of the father go forward for seven generations, something like, like that. I'm not a Bible scholar, but that dynamic happens because we as pure spirits coming in, and psychology has supported this too, as children, we want to help. And so what we'll do is take on some of the burden of the parent or someone in the family. We will exhibit habits of a missing person. So, so if, if you have an addiction problem to a certain toxic substance, that could go back several generations where, you know, somebody poisoned somebody else or, you know, you never know what the stories are. And you don't know until you sit down and start telling that story and you go, well, yeah, I had a great aunt, Minnie, who did this because the family soul doesn't want people to be missing. It wants our energy to be connected, good or bad. We want to mm -hmm. be connected. So mm -hmm. we play it out in our real lives. Mm -hmm. Thank you for showing up in your strengths, Mo. Um, I could sit here and listen to you all day about how you uh, show up energetically, emotionally, physically for other people and how you support healing and transformation. So thank you for being you. Thank you for showing up in your strengths. It's, you're absolutely beautiful and radiant. And I appreciate you for showing up um, today the way that you have. So thank you so very much. Mary, it was a pleasure. And I feel a lot of joy just talking about this. So you've made my day. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. And I'm certain that the, the listeners also feel the same way. So again, thank you so much, Mo. And listeners, please stay tuned for this quick and short message. You have been listening to the podcast, Energy Medicine where we are aligning your mind, body, and spirit with energy-based modalities. For more information about Dr. Mary Sanders or our podcast, please check out our website at www.drmarysanders.com. Thank you for listening.